Welcome to the podcast. It's the worst territory in the world. Personalities, history, and other stories. We know you're craving for more knowledge. Let the champions get their glory. It's the worst territory in the world. What's up, everybody? It's that time again for the worst territory in the world. I am your host, Gabe, sitting here with my co-host, co-partner in crime, Chris. Chris, here we go. Today, this week, we are going to dive in to more NWL. But before we do that, how are we doing this week, Chris? Pretty good, Gabe. I mean, it's, you know, the weather has been super overcast and uh, sort of dreary. So it's hard to get into. uh, It's hard to, like, feel alive every morning when it's like, you know, I don't know how it is in your neck of the woods. It's cloudy and rainy here. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, drizzly, cloudy, cold, rainy. And then after having a couple of 50 degree, almost 60 degree days, you know, but you know, that's the Midwest. So I'm learning. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. You're done. You're done with that. California, 80 degrees every day for the rest of your life. Crap. You're, you're here. You're stuck. (laughs) I I am indeed. But I mean, my former city, Santa Cruz is like literally being flooded out right now. So no, I'm actually kind of glad to be here in uh, the old unpredictable Midwest. Yeah, you know, th- this weekend, I've spent a lot of time talking to my friends about uh, Vince McMahon and the future of the WWE and what's really going on behind the scenes. I mean, you know, as we talked about before, the greatest story that you'll never hear is what is going on with Vince, Stephanie, Triple H, Shane, Linda, the entire backstory of like how that family is somehow still a family on paper. But I mean, is it as bad as it seems? It is, you know, I mean, we, we only know what we're told, which is very little from their side. So uh, it's just been a very interesting soap opera that we sort of know a few things about that are public. But uh, just, you know, I don't know. The, the imagination runs rampant when it comes to, you know, what the family dynamic is right now. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, I, to to say that this has been a busy week in wrestling headlines would I think would be a dramatic understatement. Everybody's got their opinions about Saudi Arabia, where we're going, where we're not going. Is it is it the end? Is it not the end? Vince, you know, like you said, all this stuff in between. Um, but it's hard to say. It's 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 really it's anybody's guess right now as to the future of not only uh, pro wrestling but uh, more specifically the WWE. Yeah, no, I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing how the next year rolls out, because I do think I think part of it is the rights packages and the rights deals. Obviously, those are coming up soon, uh, at least the negotiation period for the next batch of them. And I do think that they were probably overvalued the first time around. So we'll see uh, if they can get this done with somebody before that comes back around. And we'll just see how much this content is worth to maybe an American, uh, you know, content provider whether it's comcast or netflix or something like that or i mean i still think the saudi arabian uh investment fund i still think that's you know they have a lot of money so they can do whatever they want so we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah absolutely but what's happening this week on the podcast chris is you know i got a lot actually quite a bit of response uh from people inside our business but also sure. outside the business about our nwl podcast um everyone kind of um you know, no, no offense to Dan Geyer, got a lot of great response about that too. Sure. But sure. the the majority of the responses, because it's such an interesting story, has been about that first episode about the NWL. So this week, we are going to dive into part two of the formation of the NWL. 
which should be, uh, it, it, you know, like you said last week, there are so many great stories and we've been talking off and on all week about who to have on and who not to have on. But we think for this episode, we should really dive into the nuts and bolts of the continuation of the formation of the NWL, some of the initial hires, um, both in the office and wrestlers. So this should be a really fascinating podcast if you are, or if you're a fan of the NWL, NWL or never even have heard of it. But what, what kind of response have you been getting, Chris, from the, the podcast about the NWL? Oh, I had, uh, I mean, of course, like all the people that uh, that we talk with that are, that were some either peripherally involved or, you know, right in the heart of being involved in the NWL uh, have been talking to me about it, um, you know, bringing up a lot of memories. I mean, th- this is something that, if, like I said last week, and I can't reiterate it enough, this is something that was such a special thing in the in the lives of the people involved. And, uh, you know, because I was older than a lot of the people that were hired there, I did have a little bit more of a perspective of this is like unbelievable and like enjoy it while you can. You know, I've just, I've, I've been in several instances in my life where that I've sort of had the um, experience now of understanding that stuff like this it doesn't come around and it doesn't really last forever. So enjoy it while you can. And it seems like a lot of the people that maybe didn't enjoy it as much as they could have because they were young and just really didn't understand what was going on. And much like most of us didn't fully, but uh, you know, they, I think look back with uh, very uh, special thoughts about that area era of their life. Now, uh, not, you know, they didn't really feel that way necessarily when they were going through it. But uh, when you get a little perspective, perspective and step back and see like what was before and after that in your life it was like you know a pretty memorable time absolutely all right so let's jump right into it um so where we left off we were talking about the first initial quote-unquote drafts of Mm -hmm. the nwl you coming on board the initial office staff that was uh brought on to help major launch this startup company so what we're going to dive into now chris is we're going to dive into the like i said we're going to dive into the second the second wave i guess you could call it of hires and we're going to talk a little bit more about you know has the vision uh um, expanded or kind of morphed as we got closer to launch um, what, you know, what, what were some of the, you know, the venues, why did major choose some of the venues that he did, which we kind of hit on last week, but we're just going to kind of dive into it and get in, uh, and really lay the groundwork for, um, the, uh, explosion, if you will, of the NWL in Kansas city. So Chris, let's talk about, um, the initial wrestler hire. So we're, we're, we're starting to roll this program out now, uh, talk about some of the initial hires and what was the thought process going into some of these guys? You know, like you said, there was sort of like two waves of hiring for the the backbone, the the office staff, where the slash full timers of the company. Um, the first batch were, were the ones we talked about in the last episode. The the people that were the sort of the day to day operation people in the office. Uh, whether that was, you know, it starts with Major Basin at the top, but it was Travis Bowden, myself, Rob Messerly, uh, Marcy Fritz, Brian Burke. And, uh, you know, that that was the general first wave. Uh, Robbie Messerly, who I didn't really mention la- much last week, he was the son of Rob. And uh, he was a sort of personal trainer, super into fitness, very fit guy, goes into, does a lot of competitions and things. He was hired to sort of be a guy that was going to be in charge of the uh, the performance center, if you wanted to call it that, the TPC, we called it. And um, he was the, the, the guy that was going to be in charge of, 
uh initially this was some this was some grandiose thinking you know we talked about this with major he had a lot of that but he had he wanted to hire a guy that was going to be basically a full-time physical trainer for the full-time wrestling staff so we get robbie meshley hired as that uh then uh you know as we were looking at wrestlers to pick up full-time now this the it was sort of difficult to um you know sort of guide the waters of like who you're going to bring in as a full-timer because there's a lot of things going on here it's a it's a startup so a lot of people of course uh, as we'll discuss did not necessarily want to uproot their family or you know sell their house and move to kansas city because this you know this wrestling thing's going to take off for 20 years you know so and i totally understood it was a hard sell to get uh, some people that we'll talk about to 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 come to Kansas City. But then on the other hand, there were plenty of people that were, you know, ready to just take a risk and see if it was going to see what happened. Um, of course, when we're looking for the wrestlers, we we were trying to get a wide range of athletic ability, size, uh, you know, just look, you know, you try to make a well-rounded roster. And that was one thing that myself and Travis Bowden. Now, Travis Bowden did not have any um, experience booking or promoting independent wrestling. Like I said, he had a lot of experience working with uh, uh, Memphis territory, Jerry Lawler back in the day, but he, you know, I had the, the upper hand and I was running a, a, you know, an independent promotion in Kansas city in this area for five, six years at that point. So I knew most of the guys, as you know, it's a very small world when you're promoting pro wrestling yeah. in America. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, honestly, you're talking, I don't know if you really had to count them all, I don't know, three to 400 people tops that you could necessarily even sniff at or look at to come to, uh, you know, work one of your shows, let alone NWL, just any show. Uh, so when you're looking out there and seeing who's in the area, you know, you knew you're probably gonna have to draw a lot of people from the Midwest because they were the ones that were going to have the least to lose because they were going to be around here anyway. Uh, so the, the first, I will say before we even talked about our first hires, uh, Major Baisden was like very good at marketing. Um, he was a he was a guru in marketing. He, you know, we, we'll talk about the Fight Club, which was his sort of his season ticket holder thing that he did with that I thought at the time was pretty revolutionary for definitely for indie wrestling, but maybe wrestling in general. But uh, he really wanted to do these up, man. And uh, I learned this from him and I, I, I learned this in other ways, too. But Major taught me again that uh, making a huge deal out of something that's not necessarily a huge deal always is perceived as a huge deal. Okay. Uh, depending on how you promote it. And what I'm talking about, and you know, this Gabe, it was our um, press conferences and press releases and videos we would put out where major would be at a, a podium and he would introduce the, the wrestlers, you know, one at a time or whatever that we would sign to the NWL. And we would put this out. There'd be, press releases sent out that was part of travis's job is getting these press releases not only to just wrestling sites but the kansas city star the business journal or anyone that would hopefully sniff or care about you know what was going on so the very first time we did this was we hired uh, a pair of twins named uh, sterling and logan regal now i had known them for years because they are a uh, they were from kansas city they're from uh on the jackson county side and uh, so they were definitely someone that I knew. They had a great look. I mean, they're they're not the biggest guys, but they were in gr fabulous shape. I mean, Phenom and phenomenal they, shape. <laughs> and they, yeah, phenomenal. they were. I mean, they look like bodybuilders, definitely. And uh, they were high flyers. They were super energetic. 
Um, my dealings with them at that point were always like very positive. They started coming around uh, Metro Pro Wrestling years before, and they like to give me trouble that you know I, I made them you know basically job out when they first got there. But you know that's that's the business, boys. But anyway, so they uh, they were signed first, and they they were a logical signing for me because I was sort of at that point very shocked that they weren't signed by another company at that you know because they were they they had a great look, man, and they were good looking guys. Twins had the twin gimmick, which is very rare, and. Um, when we were able to sign them to full-time deals, uh, they had already had places to live in Kansas City, so they took a straight-up salary deal. And, um, you know, we had our first press conference, and uh, Major made it a big deal. Do you remember that at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I was um, in the process of interviewing, you know, again, I was a, a latter half of the second wave hirings. I remember looking up the NWL because I, you know, honestly thought it was a scam kind of. And I remember seeing these two really good looking, like you said, blonde, marketable, great shaped guys. And I was like, wow, who are these guys? You know, and it was like, hey, you know, the the Royal Blood were signed to NWL contracts. And there was a, a picture of them signing the contracts. I didn't see that. the first press conference I saw was Blaine Meeks. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um but, you know, first impression of the Regal Twins from an outsider's point of view. And then again, I more researched, saw their stuff in Metro Pro. I was like, I was the same thought as you. I was like, these guys, super talented, super athletic, super marketable and, and in really good shape. And quite honestly, what a find in Kansas City um, or sure. anywhere really to to have these guys on the roster. So. Uh, first impression on that, as I thought it was an incredible first step for this company, was to hire these guys that, like you said, should have been signed somewhere else, honestly. Yeah, in today's world, they would have, you know, like they they probably, you know, the sweet spot of their career probably um, maybe happened too early or too late, depending on what era, yeah. era of the time you were thinking of. But a lot of the guys at this point uh, that I think that we signed could have easily had a contract in a wrestling company in their prime right now. But, right. Uh, you know, right. especially with AEW around now and Impact and what they're doing on top of WWE, it's just sort of, you know, I, I don't know. The, any of these guys, to me, could have been signed. Uh, the, the next guy that we – so keep in mind, the, the Royals were from Kansas City, and and uh, they got their name, Royal Blood, from Travis Bowden. That was, like, his uh, first contribution, I remember, big time. Like, he wanted to call them uh, – he, he he liked the, the Royal Blood name. So he got – so the tag name was – tag team was called Royal Blood – and they both uh, had the last name Royal. And as we will discuss later with more of these wrestlers, each of these wrestlers had an opportunity to talk with me, Travis, Major, uh, whoever else was involved at the time, basically to give input on what they wanted their name to be, what they wanted their gimmick to be, what we could sort of play off their gear, anything. You know, this is a there was a lot of creative freedom and like very um, gosh, some great gear and like all the stuff is at the beginning, uh, you know, Major really. uh really wanted to back up the Brinks truck to pay for, I mean, stagecoach boots and like awesome gear, like cool, like accessories to take to the ring. This was not a, uh, something that he was skimping on. And so um, when they became jet and Jack's Royal, they were the first sort of uh, people that, Hey, what, what's going on? They were Logan, Logan and Sterling Regal. What, why are they changing their name? Um, you know, Royal goes with obviously the Kansas City Royals and they wore a lot of blue and blue and white anyway. That was basically their, their colors. Uh, but, you know, they were a Kansas City brand at that point. So 
on the next signing, we sort of wanted to try to go back and forth. That sort of got harder as it went on. But the next signing we did was uh, a guy named Kevin Lee Davidson, who I had known from uh, St. Louis. He was from there. He wrestled for Metro Pro. Uh, big guy, uh, especially on the indies. KLD was a very big guy. And um, he came over and he was the next guy signed. He was a uh, major was very much in favor, definitely of the Regals and KLD because he had seen both of them uh, at Kansas City. Uh, in fact, Major and Travis, I'm trying to remember if anyone else came with them, but they came to the Metro Pro Show that we had at the T-Bone Stadium over there in KCK. And we did an out, outdoor show. Uh, it was like Tommy Dreamer and Hacksaw were there and Ace and Lucy. And, you know, a lot of the people ended up going to um, to NWL. But KLD was there, so he got to see him. And, I, you know, I'm sure he was enamored with his size based on the fact that, as we all know, the Indies aren't exactly, you know, a monster central. With, <laughs> they're not flooded with dudes that are KLD size. So, And he could move pretty well, you know. Uh, so, anyway, he was brought in. And uh, I remember KLD uh, was through the history of NWL was not the uh, most fond of changing his name. Now, a lot of people, as we'll discuss, had an issue with this. I I never really fully understood that, considering that, you know, first of all, you're you're getting a full time job. I mean, this is the only place you're going to wrestle. It really didn't matter to the full to me, the full timers. They had very little to lose by changing their name to having something more. Uh, you know, centric just to NWL property, you know, major rightfully. So had seen what Vince had done when Vince is the best Vince had taken the intellectual property of everyone redevelop. As we know, some people hate it, but he gets control of the character that he develops and pushes and promotes in his company. And I think that makes complete sense because really, what do you have at the end of the day? If, if someone comes in as CM Punk and then leaves tomorrow as CM Punk, after you promoted him for five years, uh, you get nothing, <laughs> you know, this person, uh, you, you get no IP, you know, um, and you've spent, you know, millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands or whatever you want to quantify it as is pushing this guy and promoting his character. So I understand why people do it. I also understand why fans hate it, but, uh, major was big into that. Let, so let, let me yeah. pause you real quick, Chris. And I know this is, this is kind of a, a dicey slash interesting subject and waters that we're going to be treading here. But let me ask you back up to the Royal uh, blood real quick. And I'm going to ask you and keep this in mind when you're describing the wrestlers that you had signed or were going to sign. Um, and you alluded to it, uh, alluded to it with KLD. How did the Royal blood feel about changing their names? You know, I, I was trying to think of that as we were talking here. I don't, I don't think anyone was like, hell yes, I want to change everything I've done up to this point. So I don't believe, uh, if I recall, I don't think they were enamored by it, but I think major was, uh, very persuasive as he can be and, and telling, you know, explaining why, and this is why, and I'm putting a lot of money into it. And by the way, you're getting full-time salary benefits, all this stuff. You're only going to be wrestling here. And we'll, you know, I mean, major from the beginning, um, you know, especially because he bought, you know, I didn't mention this before, but he bought the um, the rights and basically the, you know, what is a wrestling company? He bought Metro Pro Wrestling from me for a, for an amount of money. And uh, basically with that agreement, you know, he got my <coughs> ring and he got, uh, you know, obviously I would not be running a show during the time I was with NWL, but he was more than happy to be like, if this goes under like an X amount of time, you can have it all back. You know, uh, he didn't really want to. So what what do you think the issue was, though? And again, this is coming from someone who's a non-wrestler. So if you're being provided, and again, I'm I'm literally asking, 
Um, so maybe you can provide some clarity. If you're being provided a full-time salary, like you said, and what if the NWL did take off and Todd Letterman took off and the Royal Blood took off? Isn't it this? And, and, and then things fall apart. Say if we would have lasted six years, you made a good living for six years and then things crumble and you go back to the Indies. What's the harm in going back to your marketable name on the Indies? It happens all the time. Uh, yeah, for, I totally for, agree with that. Okay. So I I, I, I I don't know if you had heard something from someone saying, well, this is the well, issue. No, I, is, the, and- the issue was, and this is not anyone specific. This happened to everyone that was involved for the most part. It's an ego thing. Okay. Okay. The independent wrestlers believe that their name and is valuable and that, you know, they've, they, in their mind have worked very hard, blood, sweat, tears to get mm-hmm. over, you know, Joe Blow. And, uh, you know, n- that's what people know me as. It's my fans know me as. It's going to be awkward and weird for people to see me name something else. And, you know, like that makes absolutely no sense. And of course, like they're probably thinking, and I, I didn't hear a lot of people admit this, but they're probably thinking that, you know, if this goes under and I get this big promotion as, you know, the Royal blood and this goes under in six months, then they won't even know who I am when I go back on the Indies because I'll go back to the Regals or whatever, you know, uh, and I'm not saying that they said that, but I can understand why it's just people's I, what I, a lot of the problems that I had with some of the wrestlers and some of their uh, problems with their name or their, their, the way they were quote unquote pushed in NWL was uh, it was just, um, can't see the forest from the trees sort of inexperience uh in the world i you know I'm, this is it, it just it didn't really matter but they mm. to them it did so you had to respect that but at the same time it was sort of like well if you don't want to do what we're doing then i guess you don't need to be a part of it which you know some did get involved with it knowing everything that was happening but then they uh, they still had a problem with it you know still complained um you know, most of the guys, as we'll get to when you after we signed the first eight full timers, we started doing a little sort of a lower level, like independent level contract uh, work. Technically, tr- technically, Major had gone to an attorney and said, is what Vince McMahon doing illegal? And pretty much everyone said yes, <laughs> because he's providing an independent contractor situation, but not allowing them to work anywhere else. And that's illegal. Now, Vince has been able to escape uh, major litigation on that for whatever reason. I don't think it's really probably some people that want to tackle that, whether it's Stephen P. New or somebody like that. It's probably not that lucrative of a deal. So, like, what does it matter? But, um, you know, like that was uh that, that was a problem with uh, a lot of these guys with their gimmicks they they wanted to use their own so they could go use it later you know major was like i want to have the ip you know smart in my <laughs> yeah it made a complete sense from a business standpoint i'm going to put all this money in this and i need you to play ball the way i am and if you if it goes south then you can go do this somewhere else but some of the like i was go ahead custom ring gear Custom oh, yeah. entr- entrance videos and music. Custom. Amazing. Custom. Yes. That, that was all cool. We haven't even gotten to that part yet. And I, we'll get to that stuff. But um, so that t- Todd Letterman was the name of K- KLD, KLD, Kevin Lee, right. David, yeah. Davidson. And he had a 
he actually had a backstory with his gimmick. We had talked about uh, he basically his backstory, if you recall, was he was a former football player star that had got his knee hurt. And so now he was sort of reluctantly going into professional wrestling, which is sort of a, a shoot to the guys back in the 60s and 70s that that would actually happen to. But um, and then we went with uh, Todd Letterman. Uh, him being like a huge letterman in, in college or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he K- KLD was not the biggest fan of Todd Letterman. Uh, I think he's pretty much been pretty vocal about that. He did <laughs> yeah. not like that name. He did not like uh, he didn't like anything about it. Uh, but I will to this day say that uh, when he puts up his double L's on his hands and says Letterman, that's probably the most over thing he's ever done in his career. And that's not a knock on him. It was really over. You know, yeah. don't, don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, super. First of all, like you said, big guy major was attracted to his size and he could move. That's the thing. Like, and so it wasn't a far stretch to believe that he was a football player. You know what I'm sure. saying? Cause you have a lot of the, that, that those big athletic guys and you know, Jim Ross is famously famous for, you know, that guy was a D one all American in Syracuse, New York, you know, all that sure. kind of stuff. It sure. wasn't a far stretch. Now, what was the the football gimmick you know maybe a little bit goofy sure but again like like when he threw up that i mean in mockery i mean let's be real about it in mockery when he would do that post nwl like i don't know i heard people pop you know what i mean sure, like it, sure because again you know and a lot of his fans from st louis area oh this is so dumb but i mean he, if you're not invested in the character, it's hard to make it really stick. What What's interesting, Gabe, about all this is like creatively, it was really cool to think of the way that Major was thinking. He was trying yes. to create something that was in its own fiefdom, really, within its own world. He was going to promote it. And like I said, I just feel like a lot of people didn't see the force from the trees. Like a lot of people were just comparing it to just another booking and another like situation that they didn't understand the difference to apples and oranges here. And, you know, I, I thought it was cool to go into something and be like, yes, these guys have worked as these other guys and their names in all different areas. But this part right here is completely different. Let's come up with something absolutely brand new for you. And again, this was all under the guise of this could all go out of business, which it did in less than two years. So at that point, you can go straight back to whatever you were doing, but have a little bit of like open mindedness and like sort of like have some fun with it because you got a dude that is more than willing to, like you said, pay for a lot of cool things for you that you'd never get anywhere else. And, uh, you know, I, that's, that's what I had. This is my overriding problem I had with most people that were involved in it that had an issue with it. Cause I'm like, man, just, just enjoy it. Like there's nothing negative about this. Like this isn't, I don't compare it to another booking you had at some other place. Cause this is not, this is way bigger than what, than what you've done before at this point in your career from, for most of these people. Now, one of the guys that wasn't, go ahead. Well, let's, uh, let's not get into exact figures, but this is just to further explain the thought process of major. As far as the full-time wrestlers go, Mm -hmm. you know how much they made each one of them. Sure. Would you say that the full-time wrestlers were making good money by the standard of a typical independent professional wrestler? 
Oh my gosh, they were making way more than a typical okay. independent wrestler. Okay. Now, what I would say is it was a comparable salary. So let, let's not. Uh, it was a comparable salary to what people were making at NXT at the time. Now, it, some of the top guys at NXT were probably making more, but for the lower level to mid level guys at NXT in 2018, this was the this was at or higher than what they were making. At, you know, for the WWE, <laughs> and you're also. Uh, you know, getting full-time benefits and let's face it, like they had a pretty sweet gig, you know, like, right. <laughs> I mean, they basically got to work out, uh, wrestle a few times a week and, you know, uh, get to go to the performance center anytime they wanted. And, you know, they had a, I, I don't think anyone that did it, that's being honest, looking back and say, it was like, they were <laughs> held to some crazy standard, uh, cause they weren't. Uh, and, and, you know, granted, like what I say that they make an NXT or, or ring of honor contract or whatever, that is not like some, they're not making a hundred thousand dollars. Of course, it's not like huge money in sure. uh, other worlds, but in the world of pro wrestling, if you want to try to be a pro wrestler, this was a fine salary. Yes. I, I can only speak for my salary and major was paying me the same amount as I was making in California. So, which is a huge difference, which sure. is a huge difference. So, and I was, and I know I was not getting paid a full-time wrestler's salary. However, my salary, I never bitched about it. Cause I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to pay me the same amount I'm making in California, running a sobering center where I'm the manager of 17 people. Like you're going to move me to it can't pay for me to move to Kansas city done. Uh -huh. He could have told me to be shifty McShifterson on camera and i'm i yeah because i saw the opportunity knowing that it could go away in you know like you said a year or two but anyways so uh todd uh todd letterman gail d was not a fan of todd letterman no he wasn't and okay. like he's he like you know i i get along with kld a lot so i i have no problem with him uh i just think you know he's some people dude. are just some people are just really uh big into their gimmicks and like did not like to change that at all um, you know, I would argue either way, but we'll just agree to disagree that, yeah. that, you know, as you're trying to look around the, the mostly Midwest, but I was definitely look on the coast and Texas on Florida, California, New York. I was looking at all these places to, to hire people. This is basically my job to recruit these guys to come out here. And I talked to so many people that would go on to AEW, even WWE NXT, uh, at the time they weren't there. And, uh, I was, you know, you, you're trying to sort of, you know, you're recruiting, you're recruiting as much as you can to get someone to come to the start of the Midwest, which is not easy, but, uh, it, you know, if, if you were trying to go for the really big fish that had a lot of people in the ear to say like, don't sign this because you're going to go to WWE in five minutes, you know? Uh, but one of the guys that had left, uh, NXT and had been on the indie circuit for a while is a guy that I had never actually, um, booked at metro pro wrestling and i had never actually met him before we flew him into kansas city to meet him but he was uh, a great looking guy a huge dude like in the stand again in the in the realm of indie wrestling a tall guy good looking dude and we know him as sam udell but he ended up going with the moniker Dak Draper. Now, when we were going through all the moniker names and trying to go through like what do you like he really liked um what was it mad men so that's where Draper came from because mm. he uh, he enjoyed that show at the time and uh, or he enjoyed the show leading up to that. And then uh, he liked the name Dakota. So we shortened that to Dak and he, he became Dak Draper. And frankly, Dak Draper 
for the most part, for all intents and purposes, you had to say who was the face of the full-timers or the face of the NWL. It was pretty much Dak Draper. <laughs> um, yeah. And there's a reason. You want to talk about size, athletic ability. Had just finished up. Was he, he had he just finished up his run in NXT as Sammy Six Guns? He had he had Sammy Six Guns. Uh, I, actually, he was not. I, that was not his name. That was his name on the Indies. Oh, okay. uh, his name on the I can't remember, offhand. I don't remember his name in NXT. But he uh, he was he had been out of NXT for a while, and um, you know I just think that was I think he got that too soon in his life. You know I don't I don't think he was really ready to go uh, live in the frat house world of NXT and like live by the the rules that they're gonna have there at that point uh because if you look at him you're like how is this guy not like uh you know on monday night raw every week or whatever because looks alone and just also his ability in the ring because he was a amateur wrestling background as well this guy had everything that we would want uh on paper for someone to be like part of something that we were doing i mean he had an incredible athletic background he was in incredible shape uh, and and he came in and he was very charismatic and like I said he he became the face of the NWL Travis and, uh, Tyler by the way Travis Tyler there you go uh, and Sam you know Sam was uh, when he came in he was uh, super excited uh, could not be more and in fact he he loved Kansas City lived here for a long time moved away to to go be part of Ring of Honor but now is moving back to Kansas City even though he's not from here because uh, he likes the area so well so uh, so much so anyway he. He was, uh, and we'll talk a lot about Dak. In fact, he's a guy that I want to have on here to talk about just what it was like to be in that situation because he had a perspective. You know, he, unlike others, and I think this is why it was easier for me to talk with him about this, he had the experience of going to NXT and being at a higher level and understanding what happens at that level. You know, I mean, I, I don't blame kids who uh, had never been anywhere except, you know, in their own car going to indie shows around the United States, uh, not having any real experience working in any kind of corporate level type thing or something, not understanding what we were trying to ask them to do here. I, I understand it's really difficult to come straight into here, but Sam had that uh, opportunity already and already been chewed up and spit out by WWE. So he knew what this was uh, going in. So he was like on board 100% the entire time. Yeah, you know, the great thing about Sam is even now or Dak, <laughs> when I'm working with him at other promotions like CSW and all that kind of stuff, he even post NWL, I got to tell you, because I, I hung out with him outside of the wrestling business, him and uh, Mr. Terrio were my, uh, I you know, and Hoodie would be some of my, and Marty, of course, would be some of my closest people outside the wrestling, uh, actual wrestling bubble. He never had a bad word to say about he was crushed more just like he was just sad that the nwl closed he was never i never heard him say like oh man f this f that nothing like that like he was always grateful for the experience and i think that's because what you were talking about his experience already being recruited out of college to come into nxt as travis tyler you know what i mean he there was a different perspective sure. there and dak is in my book has always been a professional uh, yeah, no, he, when it comes to in the ring and doing what uh, the company asked him to do, he couldn't have been better. I mean, he yeah, was like a, really. he was like a, a student and he, you know, I, I wish I had like eight Dag Drapers. I really do. Um, 100%. 
but uh, he was he was he was great. I mean, when we got him, it was a home run, and uh, he was treated as such because he became you know in our commercials, and he was the guy that did uh, press appearances, stuff like that, uh, because he he just he took to it so well. He uh, did. He's not the only one that did. Not to say he's the only one that did, but he he like you said, he never uh, flinched. He thought this was fantastic. Um, so he ended up going on the sort of like the Kansas City side. The next hire we had was. Um, you know, of course, Major wanted to diversify the roster. And uh, I called like so many <laughs> non-Caucasian wrestlers around America because, you know, I, of course, like I want to have we were going, as we discussed last episode, we were going to some of these um, some of these buildings that we had for venues were in the inner city of the two biggest cities in Missouri. So St. Louis and Kansas city. And uh, we needed to have more than just, uh, you know, monochromatic uh, white wrestlers. And I, and it's, but it's incredibly difficult. As you know, it's just the percentage is not out there. Uh, white to black, as far as, uh, you know, numbers out there. So right, right. I, I had, I had many discussions with as, as many uh, wrestlers that I thought were going to be great fits possibly here. I mean, we're talking, Keith Lee, that was a guy that I called up and had a long conversation with. He was living in Texas at the time, and he was another big guy. And I thought, man, he would be a nice, like, counterpoint to Todd Letterman or something. A huge dude. He could move well. Um, you know, we I talked to Jonathan Gresham, who, of course, went on to, to Ring of Honor fame. And uh, he was another really great wrestler, uh, of course, where our friend Jeremy Wyatt had wrestled him uh, before. And and he had nothing but great things to say about him. And um, and Jonathan Gresham, interestingly enough, went on to form a, the foundation in RH. OK, go ahead. Yes, he did. We we had the foundation in NWL first. But uh, Scorpio <laughs> Sky was another guy. Scorpio Sky, uh, he was interested in coming in. Uh, I mean, there's just a plethora of guys. Great, that, All great talent, by the way. All yeah, you're, I mean, they were all going to be great fits, but like I said, getting these guys, they were not from around here. I mean, Keith Lee was the closest in Texas, but it was not something that was going to be an easy decision for him. Um, and so it, we discussed this personal life and how, you know, uprooting just for something that may or may not take off was, you know, a risk. And like, I understand why people don't want to take it, but it didn't mean we weren't going to ask. So uh, what we ended up, I had worked with this, uh, a wrestler, uh at metro pro wrestling his real name was blair spikes and um he had done very well at metro pro wrestling he was very energetic he was very lanky and long um and it made him sort of unique and he had a like a baby face and he was just like uh, a lot of people liked him and so we ended up signing him and he went by the moniker of blaine meeks and you said that was the first uh, press conference you had seen but uh you know he he was very much on board as well he was from texas um, he had wrestled a ton with St. Louis Anarchy, uh, so he had been in the area a lot. And, uh, I, you know, a lot of these Texas guys wanted to branch out and start being more because I think at the time a lot of them felt like they were getting pigeonholed in Texas. So he was more than happy to come up. And he uh, portrayed Blaine Meeks, who ended up his backstory was he was sort of a, I don't know, a, a Clark Kent to Superman role where he was sort of a, a geeky guy who liked comic books, which was a shoot for, for uh, Blair. And uh, he would come up and then basically uh, sort of turn into this you know, Superman like guy when he was in the ring, but offside, you know, out of the ring, he was uh, just your average sort of nerd. You know, and that's what did you think of him? Yeah. So it, it, Blair was a huge comic book guy. So I thought that this gimmick for him made total sense, especially after getting to know him. And he did have like 
when Blair is in regular clothes, like he does kind of, because he's so long and lanky, you wouldn't think that he is stacked with muscle underneath that. You know what I mean? Great shape, good, uh, great athlete. And I, I thought it fit really well. I, I thought, and uh, interestingly enough, that's one of the reasons why people always ask me why I go by Ben. And it's because there was an evolution of that character, Blaine Meeks, where he was supposed to turn into Gabriel. And my real, obviously my name is Gabriel Benjamin Miller. So that's why I had to go by Ben Miller. Yes, the Gabriel storyline that never paid off. Yes, yes but- the Gabriel storyline that never, and we'll, we'll, we might go into that a little bit later. But yeah, I thought it really fit uh, Blair after, uh, get, or Blaine, excuse me, after getting to know him. Yeah, he was, uh, he went by Bull Brady here. And so a lot of bees, but uh, he, uh, he was a uh, just like he was just the, the crowd always really liked him because he brought yes. a lot of energy. And um, yeah, so he was another guy we signed. Uh, then we had three more. So let's get to these. Uh, another guy in the St. Louis area that everyone knew went by his real name, kept his, you know, he he went by he was Mike Outlaw. It sounds like it's a gimmick name, but it's his real name, Mike yeah. Outlaw. Yeah. And uh, he ended up uh, signing with us and uh, went by the name Des Wellston, correct? Oh my God. I couldn't, I totally thought he went by Mike outlaw until you just mentioned that. Holy crap. Well, because he ended up going back to it later, you know, the evolution of NWL, a lot of the guys that some of the guys that we started, especially in St. Louis, uh, we, they went back to their original names before the NWL is as we continued to evolve and (laughs) and try to get bigger crowds in St. Louis, because maybe they don't know who Des Wellston is or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I believe. Yes. I do believe that was his name. Yes. Uh, then the, the last two that we had, um, were two big guys as well. Um, I, w- I remember talking with Dak about, Hey, is there anybody else out there that you could vouch for saying that, you know, would, is a good worker, good ethic would like this good work ethic would like this kind of opportunity. And, uh, he, he mentioned this guy named moonshine Mantel, and he was down in Texas and he had come to Colorado, uh, multiple times, uh, and wrestled, uh, Sam or whoever else in the call in the Denver area. And, uh, so I reached out to him and he was another guy that was pretty, he was pretty excited to join, um, I think, you know, like I said, I had never met him. Uh, he didn't have really any ties, to anything I had ever done. And I can't reiterate how, you know, me cold calling somebody, and I'm sure Sam put in obviously a good word for the whole thing, but me cold calling, uh, moonshine Mantel and asking him to, Hey, come on up to move up to Kansas city, you know, quit your job that you have as personal trainer or whatever. And, and that allowed him, that job allowed him to come up here. Cause he could do that almost anywhere, of course. And, um, he was going to lose his clientele base down there, but it was, you know, I'm not saying he was negative about it, but I think most of these guys were like, what the hell is this all about? I don't really sure. know if I should do this. Sure. But anyway, moonshine Mantel came up and he became uh, the character Maverick. Uh, and and a lot it, of, a lot of us still call him Maverick. Yes. <laughs> like, Mav, Maverick, Mav, yes. Yeah. I'm like, I, I switch back and forth between moonshine and Mav. Like I'll just be like, Hey Mav. And then he'll, Oh yeah. You know, but dude, intense. Yeah, definitely intense. Anyways, he's he's uh, he's another guy I can't believe isn't signed somewhere in today's age. I have no idea why, but yeah. Uh, And finally, the last guy and the and he was uh, a guy that had wrestled for Metro Pro a lot. He wrestled in St. Louis all the time. And his name was Jake Durden. Dirty Jake Durden, he went by. 
and um his his real name or that wasn't his real name jake Durden. that was his gimmick name on the indies but he came and i talked him into it what is he six six uh, yeah guy, huge yeah, beard huge hair at the time looks sort of like bruiser brody and um we brought him in and gave him the title jack foster and his background was that he was sort of like a, a unibomb crazy guy looking guy that uh was going to sort of have a manifesto and he came to the ring wearing sort of a you know sort of military fatigue pants and military looking boots and then uh he had like the flannel red sort of cut off uh, shirt, uh, the sleeves cut off coming down. And with his look, he looks sort of like Ted Kaczynski a little bit uh, because of the, the how hairy he was. He just had so much hair. So, um, you know, talking with him about doing this, he, he was a little different. He was married with a small child at the time and, uh, you know, a little bit more difficult to uh, you know, to probably talk his wife into doing that, which <clears throat> I could imagine if, if I was in his shoes and my wife was given this opportunity, she'd probably be like, hell no. But uh, he ended up ended up doing it and he ended up being like such a good he's such a good dude anyway but he was a he offered many other things in the office you know he could he could video edit he could he could do other things and he was more than willing to do whatever it took to try to make this work spoiler alert one of the nicest guys i've met oh yeah in wrestling dude. is jake man he i uh, his inner he's a he's just the complete opposite. I really liked that character. Can I talk about, I, I wasn't crazy about the graphic design stuff, but I was not, not his graphic design, but the, the shirt design for sure. him or whatever. Sure. Wasn't crazy about any of that, but him as a character, I thought had, there's a lot of characters in the NWL. I thought had legs like real substantial legs, like something that could grow into this really great, nuanced character and and jack foster was one of them jack foster was absolutely one of those characters that i think could have been something really really special had we been able to evolve it fully uh to where you know you or jackson or whoever uh was running the the booking at the time whatever uh whatever you guys all came over in the collective think tank would have come up with i think would have been really special and he was uh he was a huge fan favorite i mean he was he was uh you know they cheered him very loudly when he was out because he had a very unique look he he took to this uh opportunity big time uh i think he realized that this you know he had he had been trying to get in into japan because of his look because of his size uh, that wasn't going as well as he wanted it to go. And uh, I think he looked at this as possibly his last big chance of like trying to get uh, noticed on a international level, possibly. And, um, you know, it was he, he's a very uh, smart guy, intellectual guy. And um, he he but but, you know, as, as a lot of the smart people get into wrestling business, they understand the opportunities um, and uh, the you know, the the time window. Uh, that you have to sort of make a splash and make it big and make money and have a career or whatever. And he, he joined and that was, that was basically the last of the, the initial eight. Now, you know, after we signed all these guys and had press conferences for everyone uh, before we had press conferences, they were introduced as their new gimmick name. And uh, we had already discussed with them, like what they wanted to be or what our ideas were and sort of bounce it off them. You know, like, it's funny to hear like Vince McMahon talk about the creative services department throughout the years, or, you know, Bruce Vincent, talk about Bruce Pritchard or whoever talks about, you know, uh, the evolution of, of gimmicks that are thrown out there. And I think that was uh, sort of the, 
you know, it's part of the initial trepidation for some of these guys about uh, doing uh, the different gimmicks is because they had always heard all these rumors and and just all the stuff that you hear about with Vince and like, I want you to be the Undertaker, you know, just like weird stuff. And they've gone through the era of, you know, T.L. Hopper and and uh, Duke the Dumpster Drossy and stuff like that. So I think they were all scared like this is going to be stupid, corny, whatever. And uh, what we tried to do was like Travis and myself and Major, we all tried to go to all these guys with, hey, um, I know how you work or I, I, I know you. And, and Travis, he, they didn't know any ideas. They would just see a picture of the guy and like sort of come up with some ideas of what we could make this guy, whether we wanted to make him heal or baby face was somewhat irrelevant. Uh, but we were like, what about this? And we would pitch these guys individually and say, hey, they, this is our ideas. What do you think? And, you know, some some were like this horrible or, you know, some were like, no, I, that doesn't fit me at all. How about this? And then we discussed like, OK, so what are it, it? It is sort of like what Vince does with people. It's like, so what are your likes? What do you like to do? What what have you done in your life? What what could we play off of that you would enjoy? And that's what we really tried to do. You know, when we when we came to the table with ideas, it wasn't like uh, you're doing this and that's it. You're the red rooster. I don't care. You're the red rooster. You know, it right, wasn't like that. Right. It was it was like, we want you to be involved in this. I mean, we're going to come with some, you know, cause I know this is a shock to many out there, but uh, most people when asked like, Hey, what do you think your gimmick should be? They're not ready to talk for the next two hours about like ideas they've had for their gimmick. They don't really have any ideas. You know, they just are like, I don't know. I just like to wrestle and I'm tough. You know what? I mean, that's, <laughs> so we would try to come with some initial discussion points or ideas. And after that, some people could, you know, uh, flesh it out from there or change a completely different direction. If you had a better idea, I mean, we were totally open to any of that stuff. We were excited to work with people on uh, new directions for them and our company and all that. So those are the, those are the guys that we dealt with. And those are the, uh, the first eight and they were a very special group. I mean, they all, um, you know, when we all got together, it was always, uh, you know, they're, they're the guys that I think of, when I think of like, you know, the, the sort of like when you look back at, you know, the, the group of people you went to war with, you know, it's like, these are the people, I, I think we all have like a job or a couple of jobs in our life where, you know, you remember all your comrades that you had at that era in your life. Cause you were all going through it together. And it was a very experimental time. And that's what I think about these guys. These, these are all, even though I don't talk to some of them very regularly. Uh, I mean, we all can just pick up right where we left off usually and discuss like how our, how that part of our life was. Uh, I then, I mean and like to prove your point when the NWO closed there was a there was a hot second there where we were going over to your house to hang out we were sure. we were having dinners together they they showed up at my you know at my birthday my wife organized his birthday party and the guys came and like I mean we were a, we were a freaking family you know what I mean? Because we went through the most unique experience in pro wrestling together. And some of us that were there till the very end, I mean, you talked about guys, you know, coming relocating here and moving back or, you know, once NWL folded, I mean, moonshine slash uh, Mav is a perfect example. He moved back to Texas and now lives in Kansas city again. Sure. sure. You know, uh, Dak moving back. Jake has often told me he misses Kansas city. I mean, he lives in St. Louis, but he missed He enjoyed his time just in the city of Kansas city. Marty stayed for a lot longer than she should have, sure. you know, like uh, it, it's just, it, it, it really was, uh, we were in the trenches together and it, it formed a special bond. So let's talk about the, uh, the second wave of office. What was the, yeah. you so, know, the people that were, that were brought on at that point. 
so if I correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Marty was hired before you, correct? Correct. Uh, okay. Or so, around the same, we lived in the same hotel together. That's it, what I it was. It was similar times, but I think she technically was ahead of you. So yes. what ended up happening was uh, we needed a backstage interviewer, sort of a, we wanted a female presence to be uh, an interviewer person, uh, sort of a host of online things, you know, just someone that had television experience preferably. And uh, we put out uh, an ad for uh for that specific job i think he put i major at the time of i think indeed or it was definitely indeed and other things at the time zip recruiter baby zip recruiter was a big one yes it was like uh he ended up putting it out basically saying like tv experience wanted you know and you're going to be doing this or that and so we started uh interviewing multiple people for this job and uh i remember it really at the at the end of the day it came down to two people it came down to uh this female who was from philadelphia and she had never been in wrestling at all but she was a television host uh reporter you know anchor stuff like that and uh she was uh i think she enjoyed i think she liked wrestling but she also saw this as a step uh you know to get some tv diversification on her resume and you know um and major and me uh both interviewed her and she was she was nice i mean like she she did a really good job attractive gal like um you know like she she wanted to move here and and do this and then uh and then our final person that we interviewed was uh this girl named marty bell and uh i didn't uh and that was her gimmick name that's not a real name but she went by marty bell and i had heard of marty bell but i wasn't a big tna watcher uh you know after i left wwe in 2003 i i there was like a couple years I didn't watch anything. And then at the very most, I would watch WWE going forward, but I never watched TNA. But of course, like doing research on who she was and all this stuff, I had gone back and seen what she had done in TNA. And, uh, you know, Marty was, uh, she came in and she, uh, as you know, she has like a really fun, open personality. And uh, I could tell right away that she was going to be the person that we should hire because she just had uh, experience in the business. And as you know, like both the both the ladies that we had in the office, Marty and well, not they weren't the only two ladies, but Marty and Lucy were both uh, worker Lucy Mendez and Marty Bell, both workers in wrestling, both had been around wrestling locker rooms and both understood what it was to be a heel or a baby face as a female in professional wrestling, which is very difficult to learn with someone that comes from like, you know, news Four in Philadelphia, you know? So I, uh, I think it, Marty was like the obvious choice pretty, pretty early on to me. Um, she, you know, she was more than willing to do anything it took to get anything over. And she was, I don't know, she just having that, ex- having that experience in around wrestling locker rooms is very important, be, especially in the, in the times that we're in. Okay. Like if, if you're going to be overly sensitive and very like, uh, you know, something that's, if you don't like political incorrectness, you probably don't want to be around wrestling locker rooms. I'm sorry. No. I just don't know how it's ever going to change. I'm pretty sure that's how every locker room is in every sport. Cause I've been in every sport and that's how it is. But, uh, you know, that's, she had that experience. And so she was hired as our, you know, host hostess interviewer. And she, you know, she ended up, she ended up staying way past NWL and living in Kansas city worked for me at my business for years. And she became a good friend. She is magnetic. Like she literally, like the first time I met Marty, I, I, it was one of those people I'm like, Oh, we're going to be friends. Like immediate, no discomfort. She's just a good person. And like, and that's rare in the wrestling business. I, I, I haven't sure. met 
a lot of people that have the kind of attitude that Marty did. Like I said, we lived in the same hotel, you know what I mean? And like, she was just, she great person. I know. I mean, and I remember looking at the zip recruiter ads, by the way, and seeing what you guys were offering, which is how I got the job. And, um, one of them was like, you know, cause major really wanted a sports like presentation. I think even in the zip recruiter ad, it said, you know, um, professional sports, uh, sideline reporting, you know, uh, preferred or something like that, because he wanted this like real kind of reactive. I, and then, and this is, this is just me from reading the ad. If I remember sure. correctly, sure. like this real kind of like, he wanted us, you know, cause he, he wanted that inner city rivalry thing to be really highlighted. So I think, and you know, the score is St. Louis one, Kansas city zero, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think both with my position or what became my position and Marty's position, he wanted someone to give it that real kind of authentic feel. Is that, is that accurate? Oh yeah. No, he wanted, you know, as we discussed in the last episode, he wanted this to be a, he was playing off the sports rivalries of the towns and uh, as the early shows of NWL, where we were keeping score of who was actually ahead, Kansas city or St. Louis, he wanted that. And yes, he, uh, it's funny to hear sports-based presentation because that's what of course Jim Cornette always buries AEW that they were supposed to be, but they didn't end up being that at all. And, uh, and you know, where results matter and all that stuff. And that it actually, did in nwl we weren't blowing out of proportion or like playing it up nearly as much as as aw or other companies that have tried to do that did but uh we oh, ended that's, up that's right he, he I, was really he was really big into that and marty was uh perfect at that role and like she's another one that i can't believe doesn't have a job and either uh hispanic television because she's speaking you know i mean multiple languages or uh or or just in wrestling in general like all the people that i see them hire i'm like even if Marty is not in the ring, I don't understand why they don't have her, you know, backstage <laughs> totally. interview or something. Totally. I don't know. Totally. Totally. And, and that, and I, you told totally, it. So when AEW first launched, I remember going, we did that first. We did that first. We did that first. We, you know what I mean? Like so many things I'm like, well, Tony Khan is just literally, and that was, you know, that was me being a little bit uh, pro NWL pro my experience, of course, but like the win loss record stuff, that's all stuff that the benefits, the health benefits for uh, full-time wrestlers, that was all stuff major was doing or yeah, major conceptualized. And I was just like, this mother pucker. Was- a lot of people talk about doing it, but major actually did it. You know, yeah, I mean, I've, heard, I've yeah. heard a lot of companies say that they're going to do it, but I've never really seen someone do it. And in fact, major, as we'll get to, like he ended up, um, he ended up offering sort of benefits to even just the part-time wrestlers, you know, because they were considered part-time employees at the NWL, not independent wow. contractors. So they wow. would all sign a contract where you have to be this gimmick when you're at an NWL show. But if you're hurt, you have this kind of insurance or whatever. Wow. And uh, the, yeah, that was that was interesting um uh but one other person that we will talk about is you uh when we ended up uh we needed a i was going to be so i was either gonna i was in the running at the time we didn't really necessarily know it was either gonna be travis bowden or myself it was going to be probably some kind of rotation at some point being a color commentator for the television program or the web show whatever we were going to end up doing at the time ended up being a television program but uh so what would happen is um my world of being already 
being a color commentator for an independent wrestling show and doing my, having my broadcasting background, what ended up happening is that we put out sort of a call for, you know, zip recruiter ad, whatever, for people that wanted to come and be a play-by-play announcer for the NWL. And we had a lot of people put in for it. Um, you know, some, some local, most not local, uh, you know, like you said, I did not, I don't remember exactly what the ad read, but major wrote that up and put that up. He had specific requirements he wanted on there. And most like, uh, much like a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, ads for jobs, like probably the requirements were like, off the charts that you know you're asking for the world you'll probably take less but you're asking for the world on these on these resumes but um we got a lot of like cool people put in for them you know uh what i remember it it basically got down to three guys it was uh, a guy from the West Coast, uh, not you, and a different guy who had called uh, wrestling for some yeah, the bigger, some of the bigger programs over there on the West Coast, and uh, he was he had come in. He came in later. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, the other guy that we talked about was uh, he was a play-by-play announcer for a minor league baseball team, and he was, I believe, it was God. I want to say it was pittsburgh he was in the pittsburgh organization that sounds that sounds right um so he was a uh, play-by-play guy for minor league baseball so major really liked that major being a huge baseball fan and like the sort of the sports presentation style maybe that he would bring to this and then it was uh it w- <laughs> then it was you who had, had uh, no who experience a, yeah but like it, it was it was less about experience i mean you know there's there's people that have been calling independent wrestling television shows or web shows for years that i would never hire so uh you know that doesn't necessarily mean anything it was just you 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 put out like i said you put that out there just to see what you could get and um what ended up happening is uh you were a big fan uh, you ended up, uh, you know, I forget exactly how you got into the fold originally, but I think what ended up happening was based on your willingness to come out here and willingness to try something new and your sort of eagerness was uh, more than other people that we interviewed. Uh, like I said, the other guy from the West Coast came out to Kansas City and his initial thought of the town was, um, I remember he was, he was, uh, he was engaged or had an Asian girlfriend. This really stuck out to me. He had an Asian girlfriend, and he thought that everyone in the Midwest would probably be racially insensitive to her, and he was very concerned about that. And I didn't really understand what he had ha- gone through in the Midwest to make him think that, but he had sort of an issue with, uh, you know, the sort of the cultural area of the midwest which i think as you can understand gabe if you and when i went to the east coast and you were on the west coast people on the coast have a very different perspective or different oh my god on what the people in the midwest are like and oh I know my god i know they see it's just like how the midwest people think about the coast people though you see the most extreme examples and you think that's everybody you know and that's just not the case but he sort of had a little bit of a negativity about the area coming in the guy with the minor league baseball background he did a really good job and he was very he was younger and but he was uh i mean he was definitely in the running he 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 really didn't know wrestling as well as you or the other guy but uh he you know his pedigree of like broadcasting put him up there and then you you came in and we all basically as you recall what would happen is we'd bring in these guys we'd fly them in you said you got picked up by a limo you got brought to the building and then you would sit with me in my office and uh we would call a metro pro match or two with major watching i was doing color you were doing the uh, play-by-play and then we'd sort of you know uh you know 
criticize or say good job or whatever we would do for that. And then you guys would spend the day sort of discussing what the company was about and then you'd go home. So what was your perspective on that trip to Kansas city? I was so incredibly nervous um, because I had tried to cram as much Metro. I didn't know what I was going to be calling. You guys didn't tell me what I was going to be calling or really what I was going to be doing other than quote unquote interviewing. Um, so, cause Marcy called me and, uh, you know, wanted to book my flight. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Cause literally, as I, I think I said on the first episode, when we were kind of going over our backgrounds, I literally put on my resume before I sent in my, or on my cover letter for my resume, I said, I have none of the qualifications you guys are looking for none. But what I do have is a passion for pro wrestling or something to that degree, right? Sure. So I couldn't even believe that I had passed the phone interview with Travis. I couldn't believe any of this was happening. So when I when I landed in Kansas City, I had been to Kansas City once before, but literally it was for 12 hours because my brother lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I had come up and visited some family, uh, a close personal friend of mine who's now my priest, actually, um, for 12 hours in Kansas City and then just went back to Tulsa. So when I got in here, I, I could not believe that I was, a, was being picked up by this. It wasn't a limo. It was like a stretch, like big ass, you know, black Lincoln town con or Lincoln uh, SUV or something really nice. And sure. I had a driver and everything. And he had a, he even had the little sign that said Miller. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? Like Major this knew how to do it, man. Major did it. I was like this. I'm only interviewing. This is so wild. And I remember going up to the, you know, he takes me to the, the driver was weird, by the way. Um, said some really weird stuff. Um, oh, I remember that driver. He was, he was like, he was a major's driver. Right? Yeah, he was. And so, yeah, he was, he was different. Yeah. yeah. He was an interesting cat. Anywho, um, you know, he was taking me around the city, um, showed me kind of the sights and sounds. And I remember, I'll never forget. He's like, where are you from? I said, California. And he goes, what time is it? And I said, it's about five o'clock. Uh, cause I stayed overnight and then went to the interview the next day. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when he was driving me to the hotel in Overland park, he was like, Oh, so you're used to traffic. He's like, we're about to hit rush hour here. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I remember just strapping in and just getting ready to relax and, you know, hour long, whatever it was going to take to get through this traffic. He slows down to about 45 miles an hour for about five minutes, speeds back up to 65 or whatever, 70 and was like, okay, we're done. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, that's as bad as it gets here. And I was like, oh, I was like, I can do this standing on my head. No, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He didn't know what he's talking to. If you're talking about West coast or East coast traffic jams. No. Yeah. I was just like, oh bro, this is, this is nothing. So anyways, uh, uh went to the building the next day. Um, and then, you know, really liked the way downtown Kansas city felt. I thought it was, it was small enough for me and not too big. I don't like really, really big, massive cities. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is cool. And, uh, going up at, uh, and doing the, the call with you guys, you know, I went into the office, you guys were in the first year, all of you guys were sitting around the table, the hires were all sitting around the table and I'm sitting there in a, a tie, I think, or I forgot what I was wearing, but you know, some sort of interview attire and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, Oh my God, these, the, the it's like a board meeting in there. Like, look at these guys. This isn't like yeah. a wrestling company. This is like a board meeting. And I'm yeah. like, what am I doing here? And um, then I met you and you were very nice. You showed me around the office, kind of told me what was going on. And then we went in the office and sat down and, and uh, 
and called the matches. Um, and it was some, yeah, I think it was Metro pro stuff, obviously. Uh-huh. And I just remember every time you stopped down, you would look at major and say anything. And major was just like, no. And then we went on, I, we actually ended up doing three matches actually. Yeah. yeah. And the third match, I think after the second match, he had some like, uh, next time it was like something really small. The critique was like really, really small. And you were like, I've got nothing. And then, so when we did the third and final match, um, I remember, uh, major started laughing at something I said, and cause me and you were doing some sort of heel, uh, play by play banter. Sure. And I don't remember what was said, but major started laughing. And I was like, Oh shit, I just popped the boss. <laughs> and I was like, uh, you know, uh, that's crazy. And I remember leaving the office and calling my wife immediately because obviously this is the biggest day of my life, right? Up until that point. I remember calling my wife and saying, if I didn't get this job, I am definitely in the top three. Because I knew I knocked it out of the park. You guys had nothing. You guys had nothing for me. And and, and being someone that's never called it, and I'm not trying to put myself over. It, it, I don't know what it was. I But I mean, someone, someone that's never called professionally wrestling a day in his life to do as well as I think I did was miraculous to be honest. Well, you had obviously wrestling backgrounds. You, you were big on the move. You're, you're, you're not very Vince McMahon or gorilla monsoonish. You're big on the move calls. You know, you were, you were, you were at the, what a maneuver. You weren't like that. You were big on the actual technical terms of everything, which was cool. It was different. And uh, you had, you know, you had, you came from the land of PWG and you, you knew, you knew just a lot of the indie stuff going on. So you had that going for you. You, you were definitely like wanting to come to Kansas city anyway, which was oh, yeah. like, I thought was very odd from California, <laughs> but uh, you, you ended up uh, and And so you ended up getting the job. So after you got hired and you moved in, that was, you know, the only other people that were in that sort of initial hiring were uh, Brandis outlaw. Right. Who ended up getting hired to be a um, she wrote copy for the website, social media stuff. Uh, Josh Liston, sort of same thing. He was another guy that worked in the office that uh, did some uh, some copy, some photo editing, stuff like that. And then uh, really the only other person I think we hired at the time was Justin Appleberry, who was a friend of mine from Metro Pro. And he was hired to be a salesperson for the company to try to get sponsorships and sales. And and not only that, but obviously he did more than that. He was uh, a guy that uh, knew all the guys. He could he could help sort of do some of the creative. He wrestled as well. And, uh, you know, as we went on, you'll see a pattern as we end up hiring more people like uh, Derek Stone or hoodie uh these people were people that um could do not only just yeah yeah, they could they had to end up starting doing you know as we as we started changing the staff and the people that only had one thing they could do started sort of falling by the wayside then you started had to hire people that uh sort of like reminded of ecw you know bubba ray dudley would be like i work and then i'd go you know paper fly you know poster the town and i'd take calls for you know tickets and i do i try to buy venues and you know all that's what you needed and that's what we ultimately ended up getting yeah we we all towards the end as we'll talk about when we do part 19 because i feel like we've only scratched the surface um and we're not going to do this every week we're not going to do nwl stuff every week we just wanted to you know kind of follow up the popularity quote unquote of the last one but uh you know we all ended up wearing a lot of hats um towards the end which i'm excited to talk about because it really helped me in a lot of different ways. And I think a lot of the wrestlers slash 
video editors slash 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 you know we all ended up taking on so many different roles but uh, like we said in the last podcast we were a we were a well-oiled machine by the by the end of it because we all knew kind of the direction and the roles that we had grown into over um and and i don't think there's a role that was exclusively this person's towards the end i mean we all bled into each other's stuff, whether, I mean, literally, whether it was video editing, graphic design, I mean, it was a collaborative effort at the end of everybody. Cause we're at the beginning, like we've been talking about, everyone had their own silos, right? It was like, hey, you know, we, you know, we, we started taking on more roles, but it was kind of like, okay, this is what you guys do. This is what you guys do. But towards the end, man, we were just like, okay, every job is everybody's business. Yeah, typical company evolution in that regard. I mean, you're going to have to like, you know, you're going to make cuts. I mean, we'll talk about we it didn't take long for us to have our first (laughs) like uh, first firing and, uh, you know, new hires and other people were let go. We did have a round of layoffs just from the office side of things just to lean up. And, you know, I'll never forget, like I said, Major told me when I took the job, he's like, we're going to have a plan in place. And I'm just going to let you know that we're not going to that plan will not be look anything like what we're about to put on paper right now. It's going to be completely changed and we're going to go start going down the avenues of, of the actual things that make money, the things that actually work and things will change around here. And I, I understood what he talked about. I felt pretty confident because uh, I was I, I understood the wrestling business as, as well as anybody or better than anyone else at that time, uh, just because of my background. And, uh, you know, so. Uh, it ended up at the end of it being a lot different than what we're describing now, but this was the, the initial people. We'll talk about the hiring of our, of our trainer for the TPC, Derek stone, and also moving on to, you know, uh, what happened with Travis Bowden and what happened with, uh, you know, I do want to, and on our next episode, I want to talk about the meeting that we had with the sort of the part-timers that we had up in the office. I don't know if you were there for that, where we brought in a bunch of local wrestlers that we had used at Metro pro and basically we're sort of explaining to them how the company was going to work and how some of them misconstrued us uh, sort of offering them a full-time job versus a part-time job and what they wanted, you know, we're like, no, 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 we weren't offering everyone in this room a full-time job. We're just sort of explaining if you'd like to be a part of this, uh, this is sort of how the structure is. I do is. remember this. I, <laughs> do remember. Was very... I wasn't in the meeting, but I remember people coming out of the meeting. Yes, it was a very interesting meeting. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll talk about all the daily meetings we had, where, you know, like, like we talk about the corporateness of it all. Like, like I said, he had, he had a meeting every morning where we had to go around and talk about yep. what we had to do, uh, what we dis- what we had accomplished since the last one, the next day, the, you know, the day before. So it was a it was a very interesting it, study in wild. <laughs> yeah. Wild. <laughs> and uh, and we will get to that. But uh, next next time that we do talk about yeah. NWL, which I don't think it'll be in the next episode, but we will talk about uh, it. We'll either have Dak Draper on Sam Udell to talk about his perspective of being hired to a company like this, or we can uh, bring on Matt Jackson, who we haven't discussed yet. But he, Matt Jackson was the guy who uh, sort of was helping spearhead the St. Louis side of things. For a long time um and how the how it sort of became matt jackson's job because he was not the first pick for that job at the beginning and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next time absolutely and before we go chris this is a burning question i've been dying to ask you this entire episode and i'm kind of putting you on the spot but i, I i'm really excited for it or maybe all right let's do two questions can we, can we do two quick questions sure sure okay out of all the people that you hired full-time 
who who do you think was not only the most initially against the presentation of the NWL and what it was. So who, who, who would, who is that guy that, that was just like, you could just tell just was like skin was crawling. It just wasn't, it just wasn't a fit for them at that time. Um, of the people in the office or the full-timers, anybody. Um, I mean, that would probably have to be KLD. Okay. I, mean, I I, I don't know. No one else really uh, was as outspoken about it as him. Uh, I, I would say he, of, of all the full-time wrestlers, he was the one that sort of had the most. And I think he was hearing um, chatter from outside our world, uh, telling them that how he was wasting his time with us. And, you know, I look, KLD was young, and uh, he was listening to people that I think were sort of burying what we were doing. And, um, look, he may agree or disagree with that, but that's uh, that's what I thought was happening. So, and I um, and I wasn't setting you up to like I, I figured it was him, but I didn't know if there was like you know maybe Mike Outlaw or you know made a big stink about Des Wellston. Like what what the heck is that? Uh, was, you know, a lot of people had that kind of reaction. So it's not that's not if you're just looking for that. Like a lot of people were like, okay. what? Like, okay. but uh, but I think um, I would say I think KLD would probably say he he was not enamored with Todd Letterman ever. So, so you know, I, whatever that that and, that's the answer to that one. And in the same vein of that question, though, because I, I know Travis, I know you, I know Major, who came up with a gimmick, even if it's yourself. Be honest, because I know you you know you're not one to downplay your genius. But was there a gimmick that one of you guys thought of that was just laughable, terrible? Like, oh like, yeah. give me, give me one of the gimmicks that was brought to one of these wrestlers that you were just like, this is so dumb. Um, well, I mean, I, I'd have <laughs> to go back and look at my notes. I mean, dude, when you're pitching ideas to, you know, 50 people at minimum, sure, sure. I mean, there's some ones that people hated. Now I know, um, you know, I think the ones that, uh, you know, of course, Mark Sterling did not enjoy anything about his, uh, oh, uh, you know, some people really felt that their their name in the area was uh, overrode anything else they were doing. Um, some people we and, you know, some people we did like Jeremy Wyatt when he came on, he was as Jeremy Wyatt. So it wasn't like some people kept their name, you know, um, Michael Strider, you know, a steel. These people kept their names. Uh, I would say probably the one that went over like uh horribly i don't remember exactly who did this but it was uh when we were talking with uh davy vega and matt fitchett they had names that were based on them being in st louis and what was it it was like you remember um, them? they were like matt um, blue or uh, gibson davy gibson and um uh something blue yeah and it was based on the st louis blues and bob gibson the former the former pitcher of the cardinals <laughs> and i remember pitching that to them they were like super like this is so dumb and um you the know, blood they, brothers and eventually the blood brothers is what they're named and eventually <laughs> they ended up uh, going back to their original names in st louis because in st louis we were having a harder time getting traction there for multiple reasons we were based out of kansas city i'm sure to st louis people look like we were kansas city favoritism which uh, it's hard not to be when we're sitting in the town all the time right, uh, right. but uh but i think they felt like the the stepchild over in, in st louis so and and plus they had a lot bigger uh, they had so many other indies wrestling over there at the time still do that. Uh, it was harder to sort of, 
chop up the 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 people who were loyal to their indie versus doing something with this NWL thing that oh just some rich millionaires coming over here thinking they can take us out you know and uh, Major had no uh, real desire to really screw over anybody else running a company over there he just had an idea that was bigger than anyone else running it over there and uh, a lot of people had an issue with that that I guess were probably just jealous or angry that someone that hadn't lived in St Louis for forty years was doing this. I was so hoping that you were going to tell me it was like something like Coco Be Awesome or so, you know, or, <laughs> well, or like, what was that? Coco Rumble? Yeah. Wasn't that the, yeah. Oh, sorry. I, he, I, he did. That was the second time I said he did have, I mean, we did have some names, but he was not against Dude. that initially. Uh, he Man, there was so much we have to talk about. I told oh, you. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to like the uh, the non full time roster. I mean, there was oh a bunch God. of guys that came in from Atlanta, Cornell Douglas. You know, there was a whole car load up there. Uh-huh. And, uh, man, there's just it was oh. uh, it was cool, man. It, it was it's really so fun. Cool. It was. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for uh, for putting the piece together in uh, episode two of our NWL extravaganza. That'll probably go on for the duration of this podcast because there is literally so much inside stuff to talk about. Not, you know, dirt or anything, but just like all the ins and outs of the daily life of the NWL. Sure. Um, It's been a great trip down memory lane. We've got a lot of fun interviews, exciting things going on. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks that we're really looking forward to. So join us for that. Don't forget, leave us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined and subscribe to our uh, channels or, or our RSS feed. So that way, every time uh, we put out a new podcast, you can be aware of it. So uh, any final thoughts, Chris, before we sign off? No, I mean, I, again, I just uh, basically, this is more, this is more just us trying to get on, get on tape or whatever, get on digital audio, uh, sort of just the history of uh, yep. the NWL from our perspective. Um, I don't think a lot of people that were deeply involved in it as much as we were have really talked much about it. I know Matt has talked about it some, but really, you know, uh, this is just stuff that I'm just trying not to forget. Matthew Grundy. Things. Matt, Matt Grundy. That was it. That was uh <laughs> There, but there, those weren't the very first ones. One, I got it's one was uh, one was something blue, and the other one was it was it was stuff that we'd have to go back. And I'm, I'm sure that they would make fun of it. Uh, Jay Lutz was another guy that did not like his name. So, but, but, but remember something that we haven't discussed is just all the fun, like intro videos that oh we my had God. shot. I oh mean, cause God. I went to go shoot them with Jay Lutz walking into a bar, you know, and like over in St. Louis and uh, just Coco rumble walking down the street in Kansas city. Oh uh, it's just, I mean, the foundation cutting a promo out in Kansas city. We had a lot of fun, like old school WWF circa 1993 oh type uh, sort of hype promo videos for these guys that were coming to the nwl oh my god i remember those are fun they were (laughs) so much fun all right i'm looking forward to so many more podcasts thank you so much chris i'm i'm ben miller at one time i'm now gabe miller that's chris goff we'll see you next time right here on the worst territory in the world it's the worst territory in